Welcome to The Just Pod, a podcast by the Criminal Justice Section of the ABA, the unified voice of criminal justice. Welcome to this episode of The Just Pod. Today is our passing of the gavel check-in with the chair. So we are joined by both our current chair and our incoming chair, April Fraser Kamara, current chair, and Wayne McKenzie, incoming chair. So April and Wayne, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here together. Yeah. So listeners, just for your information, April Fraser Kamara, again, is the Chief of Lifelong Learning at the National Legal Aid and Defender Association, and Wayne McKenzie is General Counsel at the New York City Department of Probation. So I can't believe this time has already come. April, we are here to formally on the podcast, pass the gavel to Wayne. Before we give you some time to reflect on your year, Let's first give our listeners some information about what's going on with the section, and then we'll take some time to reflect and introduce Wayne and and talk about the passing of the gavel. So let's talk about annual first. We've just wrapped up annual. So can you tell us about what the section was doing during annual? Yes, we had some really exciting programming this year at annual. Our incoming chair, Wayne McKenzie, moderated a panel. April, if I could just interrupt you really quick, let's give Wayne a chance to give us a recap. Wayne, would you mind giving us a summary of how that panel went? Absolutely. had a panel on the future of policing, ending senseless violence, and igniting transformative reform. And basically what we did was we brought together a panel of lawyers and non-lawyer experts to sort of discuss the systemic challenges and efforts to overcoming a legal system that in many ways fails in its mission to provide justice to all peoples. And so we had on the panel remarkable civil rights attorney, Benjamin Crump, who represented amongst all the folks, George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, and others, He sort of discussed the George Floyd Policing Act that he's trying to champion in Congress. We had Lenita Baker, who amongst others represents the family of Breonna Taylor. And she talked a bit about some of the reform efforts in her home state of Kentucky. And joining her was actually Tamika Palmer, the mother of Breonna Taylor. So we had the voice of someone who was directly impacted, had an amazing dynamic speaker, uh, Professor Linda Williams, who is a professor at Middle Tennessee State. But more importantly, she's the current president of Noble, the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives and a 30-year Secret Service agent when she retired, I think as the number three person in the agency. And last but not least, Madeline Landrieu, who is from Loyal University, New Orleans. And so Professor Landrieu actually talked a bit about the Police Practice Consortium that she is actually the chair of the Dean's Advisory Group. And that's a consortia of 50 law schools who are partnering with the ABA 
to develop and to assist driver change in police practices. And so diverse panel, amazing speakers, and more importantly, I hope what comes out of this is a real long-term effort to improve police and community uh, relationships and practices. All right. Thank you, Wayne. Appreciate that summary. And obviously an issue that has been discussed quite a bit here on this podcast and within the section as the section has put forward resolutions addressing police reforms and certainly something we just barely re-examined here on the podcast as well with Roy Austin Jr. So thank you, Wayne, for that summary. And April, sorry to interrupt you. And we'll turn the time back over to you to continue giving us that recap of what happened at annual. Absolutely. So as you can imagine, that's a very relevant topic to our members and to the community at large. So we were really excited to roll up our sleeves and tackle one of the most pressing issues in our community. We also had a you know, informative programming on cryptocurrency as well, which is, you know, it's a lot of information about this new emerging trend within consumer market around cryptocurrency. And always happy to have our traditional programming around the Supreme Court annual review, which is so relevant to practitioners. And so we were excited to offer all of that programming this year at annual conference. Great. Thank you for giving us that recap. And now, as we'll be talking about some events that'll be happening during your chair year, I'll direct our section activity questions to you. We have some upcoming meetings and they will be in person, at least as of now. Of course, we're keeping an eye on the Delta variant, but we're planning to be at the Southeastern White Collar Crime Institute soon. So Wayne, would you tell us about that? Give us an update on London. And then if you could also tell us about some other upcoming events, that'd be great. Sure. Well, 2021 marks the seventh anniversary of the Southeastern White Collar Crime Institute. And the co-chairs, Joe Whitley and Brian McAvoy, they invite you to join them and the faculty for the Institute at the beautiful Chateau Elan, a place that I've never experienced but looking forward to, just northeast of Atlanta. And the program this year will cover a number of highly topical white collar subjects to include healthcare fraud the enforcement priorities of the new Biden administration and insights from federal district court judges. Next, the London White Collar Institute, due to COVID concerns, is gonna be postponed, probably rescheduled to 2022. And so as we get more information about that, we'll obviously share it. And next, from October 27th to the 29th, we have the 2021 White Collar Crime National Institute. And this marks the 36th year of the Institute and it's returning for in-person meetings. And that's going to be in Miami, Florida. This year, each panel will particularly focus on the impact of COVID-19 on the various substantive areas, including government initiatives and investigations to combat fraud related to the virus and new practices resulting from the virus. Uh, Additionally, there will be a panel on the impact of COVID-19 on the white collar practice, including the conduction of investigations by prosecutors, grand jury, and the handling of motion practice and trials. So we're looking forward to that. And finally, we have the sections, all institute 
in Washington, D.C., which is November. We'll start on the 17th, but the Institute itself will be that Friday. And we're going to be focusing on reforms with community supervision. We know that we've made some strides in terms of the effort to incarcerate. But the fact is, there are twice as many individuals on probation and parole and other forms of community supervision than are incarcerated. And far too many times, these individuals, and they're primarily always from marginalized communities and people of color, they find themselves right back in jails and prisons, often for nonviolent technical violations. And so, the Institute, we're going to be focusing on that subject area, improving and transforming probation and parole practices. Thank you, Wayne. And that gives us a nice teaser for what to expect from your year. But before we jump into those reflections, we do have a debut event a little outside of our regular programming. Wayne, if you could tell us about that, we've got a virtual career fair coming up. That's right. We've got a virtual career fair. It will be our first career fair, and that will be September 29th, where we're going to be focusing on young lawyers and law students. It doesn't mean that we won't be focusing on folks like myself and Nate Bullock sometime in the future, but right now, we want to do whatever the section can do to uplift our young lawyers and our emerging lawyers. Uh, That's great. Thank you, Wayne. Yeah. And more details will come, listeners. So when that information is available on the website, we'll talk more about it on this podcast, I'm sure. So thank you to both of you for helping us give our listeners an update on the section activity. And now let's give you both some time to talk about your respective years as chair. April, as I said, the time has come. Tell us your thoughts. It's been a very significant, impactful year in many ways. So let me turn the time over to you to reflect on this last year and what you'd like to leave with our listeners as you pass the gavel to Wayne. Sure, absolutely. So it has been a a very insightful year. As you all can remember, my year as chair began after the summer of a really racial reckoning in our country following the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others. So as I came into the role as chair of the criminal justice section, which it has always been a part of my work, but my commitment to center the issue of race equity was even stronger than ever before. And so as I, you know, walk away from the year as serving as chair, I'm very proud of the work that we've done as a section. I think we've engaged in some very difficult conversations around race in the criminal legal system. We've been able to pass some great policy resolutions that people will see come forth around dealing with the issue of race within the criminal legal system, but also even issues of reparations. The section voted to support Congress in studying the issue as it relates to the criminal legal system. So I'm very proud of the work that we have been able to accomplish that has been centered on race, but I also walk away with somewhat of a heavy heart and really 
thinking about how long a journey it is to really truly achieve race equity in the country and how the criminal legal system is really the starting place to deal with a lot of the societal issues that come at a intersection within the criminal legal system. So while I'm very proud of the work that we've done, I also pass the gavel to Wayne knowing that we have so much more work to do. And I would encourage our members not to engage in fatigue around the issue of discussing race because we know it's difficult, it's not comfortable, but it's necessary. So as we go into the next year, I'm really excited about the work that Wayne is going to do in the space with the focus on probation and parole, which is such a major overlooked part of the system. But I also want to encourage us to renew our commitment. Everything that we felt last summer about the urgency of dealing with the issue of race, that we continue with that commitment and now allow ourselves to revert back to old behavior of not talking about race. So that's where I leave it at the end of my year as chair. But I'm hopeful because I have people like Wayne coming behind me who I know is going to keep up the torch. Wow. Well, thank you, April. I can say that April is more eager to hand off the gavel than I am to receive it. And that's a testament to her commitment, her enthusiasm, and the work that she's done. And she's absolutely right about one thing, right? And to understand this is a marathon and not a sprint. And when we're talking about matters of race and racial equity. And so in that regard, I will say I eagerly accept the baton from her. One of the, I think, perspectives that we sort of differ in though is this, where April sees the criminal legal system as, I guess, the primary cause or drivers of certain inequities. I see the criminal legal system as being symptomatic of the failings of other parts of society that really drive all of these inequities. And I'm talking obviously about education, healthcare, and economic opportunities. I always say that because we have, since the criminal legal system is the place where all of this is experienced, we've got to step in and do something and lead the way. But part of leading that way is also putting pressure on the other systems that I see as the root cause. That being said, you know, when we consider the COVID-19 pandemic, and when you think about the impact the pandemic has had specifically on marginalized and communities of color, it's evidence that these other systems are just reflected within the criminal justice system. And when you think about the social unrest and activism that really captured the conscience of a nation, when you think about how politicized this whole debate around climate change, you know, I've got to say the winds of change are really upon us. And if I want to steal a line from one of my favorite HBO shows, Game of Thrones, you know, winter is definitely coming. And how we respond as a diverse legal community will either contribute to the further polarization of our nation 
or it's going to further strengthen our resolve and our resiliency. And I choose the latter in terms of making sure we can extend the rights, benefits, and protections of the Constitution to all citizens and not just those individuals it was originally authored for. And just as this nation struggles to safe and uncertain, quote unquote, normality, the ABA has to similarly define and redefine what the ABA's new normal is going to be. We know that we can't return to business as usual. And so and in that regard, I'm not just honored by the stewardship of the chairs during this pandemic. I'm humbled by assuming the leadership of this section for the 21-22 bar year. I'm encouraged by April and all of our predecessors of the hard work they've done. I'm inspired by the commitment of the CJS Council, our committee chairs, task force members. And so I'm really enthusiastic about this because as April mentioned, while the nation went on pause, the work of the section continued. And we are going to continue and Quite frankly, we're going to double down. And what are we going to double down on? Something that April mentioned. We're going to continue to look into the mirror and examine what the section itself has done and how the section may have contributed to a lot of the social and criminal legal issues that we've got going on today. We're not just going to examine them ourselves, but we're going to continue to look at our past policies and resolutions. And we're gonna do that through a racial justice lens to make sure that our policies and our resolutions are not just race neutral in intent, but race neutral in impact and corrected where we need to be, right? We've gotta to continue to be really bold in that regard. Um, we're going to continue to intentionally promote diversity and inclusion. And I mean that in its broadest sense, not just within our ranks, but within the profession. And as you've gotten a little highlight, when we talk about the section's continued work in criminal justice reform, yes, another aspect or goal I have is to talk about the impact of probation, parole, and all the forms of community supervision. And my hope is not just to start this conversation during my year, but where I want this to lead us is to ultimately have a task force and to start to develop national standards for community supervision. And so there's also what I call the professional and ministerial goal right and that's necessary and that's about continuing to serve the growing CJS membership you know as this nation struggles to return to normal I don't want the section to forget the lessons that we've learned operating in a virtual space where we've had an opportunity to increase our outreach to individuals we've had an opportunity to encourage more individuals to engage and become active with the section. And so I wanna take those lessons 
and sort of doubled down and incorporated into our regular business practices. Look, there is nothing like being in the room with people you admire, you respect, and you work with. But this virtual experience means we can reach so many people. And so that's another thing. I've talked about maybe three or four different things. And I realized that this might seem really ambitious. But when I think about the talent, technology, the amazing staff that this section has, I think we're up to it. And I think we're ready and we're prepared to really lean into it. And so I really look forward to waking with, walking with, and more importantly, working with the criminal justice section for the next year. And just as I think April has been so supportive of me, we've got a great chair elect in the pipeline to Justin Bingham. And then following him, our first vice chair, Tina Luongo. So I look forward to the three of us working hand in hand to continue the amazing work of this section. And April, what I can promise you that there will be no fatigue on my watch. Wonderful. I'm so excited. And Wayne, I do just want to note a year ago, I was in the chair sharing this conversation with Cam Parker, and we celebrated the fact that based on our knowledge, I think it was the first time in history that we passed a gavel from a female chair to another female chair. And similarly, I think we make history this month by the first time in history in the criminal justice section, passing the gavel from an African-American chair to another African-American chair. So cheers, we are seeing progress. Of course, I think it has taken too long, but I'm still, you know, celebrating the fact that we are breaking barriers. So I am, yeah, I look forward to your year and I look forward to supporting you. Great. And one of the things that I think is amazing about those two historic facts, because yes, indeed, this is the first time, it's because of the intentional work that we all have put in and the section has put in, both in the past and in the present, that this was almost a natural and not intentional transition. And it shows that when folks are very intentional about their goals and their objectives and providing opportunities that there are women and people of color that are there and qualified and will rise to the challenge. And so thank you for making that observation, um, April. Much appreciated. Well, let me just say that so many members are grateful to both of you for your leadership. And so April, before we close, you know, the section just wants to thank you for your years chair and all of your work and Wayne welcome you to chair and express our excitement, you know, to see the work unfold over the next year. And Emily, thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you, Wayne. Listeners again, this is April Frazier Kamara. Chief of Lifelong Learning at the National Legal Aid and Defender Association, and Wayne McKenzie, General Counsel at New York City Department of Probation. So thank you again, and thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of The Just Pod.